With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Beyond 50 radio program. I'm Daniel Davis. With Earth Day just around the corner, what we see is a lot of grifting going on around the world. And I would have to say that it emanates from places like the United Nations. Oh, what a lofty goal the United Nations seems to be. But there's some real serious things going on. You might even call that place the perfect Trojan horse for the socialist agenda and the left with their policies that will cripple our economy, impoverish the world, and take away our freedoms. How do you do that, you ask? Well, how about something like the Green New Deal, which was volleyed into everybody's awareness back in 2018 with one young congresswoman from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Well, on the program today, we're going to kind of look beyond the veil of what this Green New Deal is, and believe it or not, it's a lot worse than you think. On our program today, we're joined by the author of the book, Green Fraud, and he's been on our program before to expose the truth about the Green New Deal. Climate change is the perfect Trojan horse for the socialist agenda, as I said earlier. He's also part of the Climate Depot, which is a project of the Committee for Constructive Tomorrow, a U.S. nonprofit organization that promotes climate change denial. I'd like to welcome the Beyond 50 radio program today, our guest, Mark Morano. Mark, thank you for being back on the program. Thank you, Daniel. I'm very happy to be here. Appreciate it. Now, one thing your book can certainly do is piss a lot of people off who weren't actually paying attention to what's been going on. And it's really amazing as I was reading through it, when you look at all the money that has been spent and all the energy that has been spent trying to halt the things all of these climate activists are claiming are actually destroying the earth, especially when you think about CO2, that's carbon dioxide for a lot of people here, you realize why didn't they spend that same money, energy, and time on technological innovation? (laughs) So talk to me about how you got started with pursuing this, because I know you've been deep into this for quite a few years now. Yes, I mean, I grew up, I always said I was a Republican, except when it came to environmental issues. I was a volunteer on Ronald Reagan's 1980 campaign, but Never liked James Waters, Interior Secretary. I thought Republicans were part of the people destroying the environment. And then I realized it wasn't until the 1992 Rio Earth Summit that I'd been basically sold a bill of goods. I was always worried about the deforestation, the Amazon rainforest, and all the destruction that I saw in the National Geographic and Hollywood and the environmental groups. And I remember at that summit, there was a report that came out about how it was the least endangered forest and that they were actually hyping all of these dangers of the Amazon. So I, I looked into that, ended up doing a documentary called Amazon Rainforest, clear-cutting the myths, in which I interviewed passionate environmentalists in the Amazon. I made two trips to Brazil, and they were throwing down the guidebook saying, this is bull, you know, cursing at me, saying this is nonsense about the Amazon being the lungs, about all the forest disappearing. And it turns out, you said a key word, Daniel, you said the word innovation. For every acre of forest cut, 50 are being regenerated, and that's because people are leaving uh, the jungles and swamps and wetlands, as we used to call the rainforest. 
moving to uh, urban areas. And they have new forestry techniques where within seven years you can't distinguish between a log forest under sustainable forestry, same plant animal species within seven years return under these new techniques. It's amazing the progress we've made. We know how to save endangered species. We've cleaned up our air and water quality. Our environmental report card is phenomenal, particularly, I mean, in, when, I, when I say it's phenomenal, in the free market or Western nations versus the controlled nations of places like China, the old Eastern Bloc, poor nations. And I was able to understand through my decades of research, and I started this quest back in 1992, and it went all the way through. I was an investigative reporter, then I went to every United Nations Climate Summit. I worked in the U.S. Senate Environment Committee, uh, and now, of course, I run Climate Depot. But this is, uh, I found out and researched that the wealthier a country and the freer, the cleaner their air, water, the cleaner their environment is. The poorer countries don't have the infrastructure. They're using their rivers for, for sewers and toilets. They're burning dung. They're living in huts made of dung. They have horrible indoor air quality when they cook. And it's really wealth and prosperity leads to a clean environment. And that's really when you have that kind of level of prosperity, that's the only time you can really start worrying about your environmental quality because otherwise you're just trying to get by subsistence living and, of course, uh, right now, you know, even the World Health Organization says the United States has among the cleanest air in the world. Since the first Earth Day, we've radically improved our air and water quality well, in increasing economic growth and huge population expansion as well. You know, it's, it's fascinating that you say that. Now, are you familiar with uh, Laughlin, Arizona? Uh, actually, oh, Arizona. No, not Arizona. I've, talked, I've been to Laughlin, Nevada for some reason, but no, that's a small uh, desert town. I don't know, uh, no, not Arizona. No, my apologies. It is Laughlin, Nevada. I, I, they're so close I've on the border there. anyway. For, yeah. for some reason, I've and been was, to Laughlin. I was at, you know, there's a very small town on the, you know, and there was a, you know, I, I remember that well. Back in the 90s, I've been to Laughlin, yes. Right. Okay. The reason I brought Laughlin up is uh, I remember the first time going up there for a lot of people who don't know, it's actually close to the Arizona border. But anyway, the Colorado River runs through there. Now, there are a lot of casinos, big ones. You know, we got, you know, Haras, the like, it's all out there. Now, what was amazing is on the average drive along the Colorado River, as you can begin to see these casinos off the other side of the river is this, as you see these huge buildings, you know, a lot's going on there. And what was funny is you average about four to five, maybe 600 yards from the Colorado River itself. So you can actually see it as you're driving along on the opposite side of where these casinos are. And I have to tell you, if you stopped the car and you waited for a while and just looked into the water, you could probably see fish at the bottom of the river. That's how clear the water is. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, these are giant casinos here. And that water is so clean. I'll bet you they got some kind of a hydro flow filtration system to be sure that that water is protected. I mean, casinos, think about it. Most people think about waste from buildings. And that's the point. And I take a look at what you've written in your book, and I want to dive right into that and how this whole green deal started. I mean, this reeks and smells like a grift right off the bat. Everybody's got their hands in the pot. They're coming up excuses of how to get their 15 minutes of fame and how to line their pockets as well. And it really seemed to capture everybody's attention when one Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from Bronx, New York, got elected somehow. We don't know how that happened. And all of a sudden, she's at the forefront of this whole thing. And then you listen to her talk and you think, 
God, this is almost as bad as keeping up with the Kardashians. It makes my head hurt just to listen to these people and you just have to shut them up. But you also at the same time have to pay attention because Herb Alf gained her a lot of notoriety and traction. So what was going on there that she picked up a grift and made it so popular, even though it had been going on for several decades now? Well, what I, AOC was able to do is if you look at the whole climate agenda, by the way, I have a whole chapter in my book, Green Fraud, devoted to the man-made global cooling scare of the 1970s. And this was really right. telling. You can understand, because they proposed a primitive Green New Deal in the 1970s to solve man-made global cooling. Before fossil fuels caused global warming, fossil fuels caused global cooling. Because they said our, our fossil fuels were creating aerosols, which were blocking the sun, creating global dimming and dangerously going to cool the earth. It got to the point where we had scientists talk about geoengineering, putting Arctic soot on the ice cap, black soot on the ice caps to melt them. They were blaming the bad weather, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, unman-made global cooling. They were, the CIA had reports talking about it, the national security threat. And the solutions were identical to the Green New Deal, just not as advanced and well laid out. But essentially, they wanted national sovereignty to be turned over to global uh, regime. They wanted a wealth redistribution. They wanted a stuffing and restrictions massively on free market economies. They wanted restrictions on our movement. Uh, I mean, you talk about the you know gas car band of today and the you know pricing airlines out of price out of the range for most Americans and Europeans. Back then, they were lamenting that people could hop in their car and drive to the grocery store. So these impulses, as you mentioned, have been around for decades. Well, the difference was they were getting nowhere. Even Obama with super majorities in both houses couldn't get a climate bill. So they spent their time focusing on turning kids into terrorized individuals. They terrified them with climate scares to the point now where you have kids in Europe, the United States, suing the government to go more full Marxist in order to save their future and to save the climate. And they had things like the Sunrise Movement, and they started indoctrinating kids from kindergarten through college. Well, what AOC represented was that whole youth movement. And this is how the power, you said how she somehow got elected. Well, she replaced an old line Democrat. And the powers that be in the Democratic Party decided they needed an AOC. If she didn't exist, they would have had to invent one because she tapped in to that youth climate movement which they had cultivated and finally was bearing fruit in the, in the likes of people like Greta Thunberg and the school strike movement and the aforementioned lawsuits, kids testifying on Capitol Hill, the Weather Channel, corporate media doing profiles on the kid climate activists, you know, blaming every flood and tornado on, on their parents' SUV. And so that's where AOC came from, and she came out and literally, with this Green New Deal, it was an embarrassment talking literally. The draft actually talked about cow parts. It talked about college education, free school for people. It talked about all sorts of social programs that had nothing to do with climate to the point where her chief of staff actually told the Washington Post reporter, did you think the Green New Deal is about climate? Because it has nothing to do with it. It's a change the whole economy thing. And that's really what it's about. So they were using her in the climate, as you say, as a Trojan horse and the Green New Deal as a way to re radically restructure our society under the guise of a climate scare, which doesn't exist, by the way. There is no climate crisis or climate emergency. So let's go ahead and talk about the key players who have actually spoke out against this. So I know there was one particular environmentalist who had been doing this for 30 years, and finally he turned around and said, hey, look, you know, I want to apologize to everybody yeah. for going out there and 
security on this whole thing here, and it seems there are people turning around, but here's the basic premise that I want the audience to know about what the Green New Deal is. All it is is communism under the cloak of saving the earth. <laughs> and it's a very small group of people, but they become very powerful as far as that go. We take a look at these, you know, like this potato we have in office right now, uh, Joe Biden, who's, you know, jumped on board with this. And, and it's kind of silly because one of the things they were talking about is going electric, getting away from, you know, gas combustion cars. And I say, okay, so electric cars sound like a good, clean idea. First of all, how are you going to power gas these, you know, fuel these things up? That's the first thing. Now, in Arizona, there's a town called Bisbee, okay? And there's a place called uh, the Lavender Pit. Now, if anybody goes and visits this, because there was a lot of ore mining in Arizona uh, back in the day. Now, this pit took several years to create. That was from the mining of ore. And if you look at that and you realize that lithium mining is probably minimum 10 times more destructive and you look at this pit, you're going to think twice about wanting to have an electric vehicle. Not much less. Things are actually very dangerous. I actually watched one that actually caught on fire on one of the highways. And it, oh, boy, they get ugly real fast. So let's talk about how they think going one direction, which is going to cause a lot of carbon energy versus the fact that, you know, just the way we're doing things now with innovation is going to be a lot safer in the long run for the environment. Yeah, by the way, the U.S. led the world in innovation and reducing CO2 emissions more than any other countries in Europe, any other country on the planet. And we did it through the innovation of natural gas fracking, horizontal drilling, and the natural gas replaced uh, coal burning in our energy grid, and that lowered Americans' emissions. And we did it without the pain, suffering, without turning over our lives to bureaucrats. We did it without gas ban stoves. We did it without banning gas-powered cars. We did it without banning meat-eating. We did it without banning high-yield agriculture. We did it without shutting down electrical grids. We did it without empowering international organizations like the uh, UN and the World Economic Forum to you know, ride uh, dominion over our sovereignty. So. When you look at it, not just electric cars, but solar and wind, the amount of, I like to say that renewable energy, so-called green energy, let's call it green, is digs the earth, not in a Brady Bunch 1970s way, but literally in a deep earth way. And you have a, all these bills, whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act, the Green New Deal, all they do is make America more dependent upon China. China makes up the reportedly 90% of solar panels. China, we rely on for all the rare earth mining in China and Africa with the cobalt, underage kids. Meanwhile, the Biden administration just this year, 2023, is stopping federally, stopping states from mining rare earth metals. So we're shutting it down in the U.S. so we can be even more reliant on China. Each electric car battery takes half a million pounds of rare earth mining to make. And when you look at it, you get these cars, they're hard to recycle, the batteries don't last forever, they're very expensive to replace, they take fossil fuels to make an electric car, and then when you recharge them, you're charging them, 80% of the of global energy still coming from fossil fuels. So you're recharging those EVs on fossil fuels. And I've seen absurd things on they can't get to a charging station or their electrical blackout. They have diesel generators pouring diesel gas in to charge their electric car, which kind of defeats the purpose of saving the earth and trying to limit your CO2 emissions. So it is the biggest con. But here's the thing about electric cars. It's not even that not everything I said that just doesn't make sense. 
is that they're going about it by banning gas-powered cars. The Biden administration's plan within nine years is going to go from 6% EV to 67%. They know it can't happen. There's not enough rare mining in the world they could ramp up to meet that goal. But what they can do is create government-mandated car shortages. We're going to look like Cuba, where we have only vintage cars driving around, and we're going to look like East Germany, where the government said only one car we're going to allow, the crappy East German Trabant. And that's what our government's saying now. We can only allow EVs. So we're taking a page from totalitarian regimes. We're creating car shortages. Why? Because they want us to force Americans on a mass transit. They want you taking the city bus. They want you taking subways. And when you do that, you better be masked up and you better be vaxxed up uh, for the next pandemic because that's how they control the people. And that's where this whole weird thing of the COVID climate connection comes in. They're using the tools they learned of declaring an emergency in public health, unelected bureaucrats dictating every aspect of our life without a vote. And they're now applying that to the climate world. Biden is trying to bypass democracy as much as possible. Every cabinet agency is a climate agency. He's using the finance, environment, social governance, the banking industry. He's using executive orders. We're using corporate government collusion through firms like BlackRock and State Street who are forcing companies to go along with a climate agenda no one actually voted for. So not only are they banning gas-powered cars, but they're making meat more restrictive. They're going after high-yield agriculture. It's an incredible scenario of just what we witnessed since March of 2020 when COVID began. They have The whole idea of Build Back Better is to collapse the old system and build it back in this managerial, central-controlled, sustainable, in quotes, way. You know, and it's also interesting, too, when you think about the great reset that they're trying to move into place here. And I found this little, uh, because what I like about your book is you have these little sidebars, if you will, on some of these pages real quick. Now, the idea is that they were saying something that they want to decrease the human population, something like 13 out of 14 or 15 people around the world, so that's roughly several billion people. Now, what's funny is this. In April of 2018, California Governor Jerry Brown warned that climate change was going to kill 3 billion people. This is a horror, Brown said. That's funny because now what's funny about that to me as I read that was this. Okay, so it bothers you people who want to euthanize billions of people on planet Earth to reduce the population that the climate's going to do that for you. You'd rather be the ones to do it. <laughs> you see the hypocrisy exactly. there? It's a, it's, yeah, it's the catch-22 of the whole thing. It's, a, it's the silliest thing. You know, more global warming. Uh, more people create more global warming. Global warming is going to kill people. Hey, I just say it, it, it evens itself out. You don't have to worry about it. You know, this is one of the things they do, by the way, is they make opposite predictions. And I think I have that in the green thought. I can't remember which chapter, but, I go through, they literally make an opposite prediction on sea level, on more hurricanes, less hurricanes, on more fog, less fog, on uh, more malaria, less malaria. On almost every issue you go through, more, uh, more, uh, uh, global warming will make the days shorter, global warming will make the days longer, global warming will increase autumn uh, colors, global warming will decrease autumn colors. 
So it's like a sports day. If you bet on the Super Bowl and you bet for both teams to win, the next day you can always say, hey, I predicted it, which is how they make their – when they try to brag about their models, hey, we predicted this. Well, you know, they have a range of predictions that are opposite on almost every key issue of the day, including if you go back to the 70s, they were predicting global cooling. Well, no matter what happens, they can always claim they're correct. And this is, you know, this is how the, this game is played. The other thing they do is if current reality fails to alarm, like let's take polar bears. Al Gore made polar bears his poster child in 2006 movie, in Convenient Truth. But since polar bear numbers have reached at or near historic population highs, they've never counted as many polar bears. So guess what? Al Gore's sequel comes out a few years ago. Polar bears are disappearing, but only from Al Gore's books and movies. Because in real life, there's more than we ever counted. So Al Gore literally just didn't mention the poster child from his first film, i.e. polar bears. But here's how they get you. When current reality fails to alarm, they make scarier and scarier predictions of the future. So if you talk to a climate advocate, it's worse than we thought for polar bears. Why? Their numbers are more than we ever counted. Well, our predictions now of 100 years from now are much worse than they were just five years ago. So they do that misdirection. Things are going, can be doing just fine now, but if they make a scary prediction, they grab money, they get published, they get headlines, they get to testify, they get to travel the world to United Nations climate summits with their dire vision of a, of a predicted uh, decimated climate. Now, with the five minutes that we have left, uh, what solutions do you see and uh, pushback are you seeing that's giving encouraging signs that this is a losing folly, so to speak? Well, I think they're overreaching because right now, if you see what's happening in the world, again, since March 2020, they're intentionally collapsing our energy, our transportation, our high-yield agriculture, food, meat-eating. They're collapsing our free speech. They're collapsing our finances and currency. I think what we're seeing, the greatest news we're seeing is state's attorney generals fighting back against the corporate government collusion between these equity asset firms, which are trying to impose the climate agenda without a vote. And it's not just the climate agenda. It's transgender. It's critical race theory. It's all of these things they could never, ever get through Congress. They're imposing. In fact, you just take a look at the gas-powered car. You have the former head of the World Bank at a World Bank meeting saying we need to come up with a timetable to end gas-powered cars. So the World Bank is telling automakers that they're not, there's going to be no financing to make gas-powered cars. Then you have a, uh, corporate banks saying we're not going to give out car loans to people who want it. Then you have uh, governments restricting gas-powered cars, in this case of California and 20 states with trigger laws following California. They're just outright banning gas-powered cars by 2035 or at least a, a non-hybrid gas-powered car. So you have all that. Then you have cities in Colorado, California, banning the creation of new gas stations. So even if you own a gas-powered car, they're going to intentionally create gas car shortages. So you see how this, the fix is in, and I think people's eyes are being opened to this, and I think there's going to be such a pushback, and there already is, finally. But we, we've got to get this to Republican leadership. Republican leadership has been very slow to catch on. But I think this is happening... Throughout the world, in the Netherlands, they had a farmer's party rise up to fight these net zero rules on the small to medium farms, generational-owned farms, up to 11,000 that were going to be closed because of these net zero rules. They had a, and, uh, and meanwhile, the corporate agribusiness are going to come in. 90% of the world's grain trade is controlled by just four companies. What this is about is a corporatization and government-private-public partnership slash government collusion where all these companies 
pay enough to, to the politicians and they end up in control of everything and the politicians and bureaucrats, people are fighting back. As a case of the Netherlands, there's a farmer's party which has now paused these regulations which were set to close all these small family-run farms. So I think when people realize the sinister nature of this green agenda, they will fight back. And we need that more in America. Let's see how we push back now against, literally, we're they're talking about banning gas-powered cars. This is our moment. They're, they're already made meat rare and expensive. They're going after cattle and livestock agriculture. We've allowed Bill Gates to become America's number one single farmland owner. His stated goal is to make us eat lab-grown synthetic meat grown in steel vats in a laboratory. Not making that up. That's what he said in interview after interview, and he has huge sway now in agricultural policy as he's the number one farmland owner, according to NBC News. This isn't like I have secret documents or anything. This is all out in the open. So I think people are realizing this climate agenda is against humans, and it's about power for the few who will run all of these businesses. They're going to be few pe- the fewest possible people that are trying to centralize power over our energy, transportation, freedom of movement. Uh, and our a- agricultural policy and food system. So it's a frightening thing to look at, but it only happens if we allow it. And one last comment, the Berlin Wall in 1989 didn't fall because the East German government said, oh, you know, 40 years of Soviet oppression, let's free the East Germans. It fell because East German citizens no longer gave their consent to tyranny. And I'm really optimistic when I see the angry parents show up at the school board meetings that toppled the Democrat Party machine in many places, most notably in Virginia. And that led to the Democratic Party, big cities, pulling back all the vax and mask mandates. So we can fight back. We just have to be aware of what they're doing. Well, the biggest thing, too, is to uh, let people who are doing this pushback, and I agree with you because we cover this quite a bit (laughs) on the show, uh, yeah. For being a not political show, that is, but we like to show that there is progress. That, and as I say this over and over and over again, real quickly, is this that no matter how much mankind tries to control nature, apparently these people who believe they're in control, people like Bill Gates, for instance, or even a little squelching Hollywood icon, you know, Barbara Streisand. There was something I was going to say about her, but we don't have enough time. But the point being is, no matter how much you try to control, it's like, when are you guys going to get it? Nature will correct itself right in your face. And it does that as well. It does it over and over and over again. It shows that with all creatures, great and small, plants the same way. It always puts itself back into balance. So if it's going to do that and you dummies that think you can control this, you maybe one day come to your senses and know this is going to happen, you might want to be on the right side of nature when that does, or you could be nothing but a ghost of the past that nobody cares about. Mark, first of all, thank you for being on the program today. Uh, how can people find out more about how to get green fraud and uh, maybe a website and ways that they can get in touch with you? Well, my website is Climate Depot. I cover Green New Deal type issues every single day. The book is Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Worse Than You Think, available at Amazon. And my newest book, which just came out, is The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown, which deals with the merging of COVID and climate and the public health bureaucracy getting involved. We actually have Harvard School of Medicine now saying unchecked climate change leads to more COVID-like viruses. So they're trying to merge the two issues to give them that sort of absolute power they had during COVID. And the other implication of that is if you don't support the Green New Deal, you're a grandma killer because you're going to be creating more viruses unless we tackle climate change. It's just nuts. You can't make this stuff up. 
Well, and that's the funny part, and I think that's what wakes people up, is the more they try to solve their problem of nobody listening, the more they're going to get people not to listen. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mark, thanks a lot for being on the program. Always a pleasure to have you, and if you're interested, I'd like to have you back on the show about the Great Reset. I know sometimes I'll drop little things to people out there in public just to see where are they at in their awareness, and a fair amount of people Oh, they sort of know about it. And then some people just don't know about it at all. It's like, well, it's about time you better. So anyway, thank you again yeah. for being on the program today and sharing your book. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. you thank you. I want to thank you there for tuning in. You can discover more at beyond50radio.com. That is the number 50. We do encourage you to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter and stay up to date with what's going on in the world of Beyond 50, as well as our upcoming shows. I'm Daniel Davis. Thank you for joining us. This is the Beyond 50 radio program. And remember, wherever you are is where you should be. Have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.